welcome one and all to the cauldron. This is an RPG discussion podcast by yours truly. I am Fernando Abrandolande. I am a Latinx role player, game master, and recently published game designer, game writer. I, I really don't know what to call myself in that regard. I, it doesn't feel real to me anyway. Um, but yeah, I am a Latinx man, uh, a cisgender man specifically, and I go by he, him. This podcast is ma mostly a tool for me to put out my, my, my ideas, my stream of consciousness as it comes to me. Because back, back in a while back, I wanted to start an audio blog and... Then I wanted to start a blog, but then writing a blog feels like work. And an audio blog is just me sitting in front of a mic and talking and editing the audio and all that. And it still work, but it's a lot easier to just talk, at least for me. So here we are with the cauldron. And in this first episode, I released a poll on Twitter to see what the people wanted me to talk about. And out of the three options that I gave people, it was a very small, po small poll. It was just like 16 votes. Um, people wanted me to talk about my most recently released product, my very first module, Songs of Aedrogard. So, um, this podcast shouldn't really have segments, but I'm gonna add a segment here, the discussion segment, in which I go over details about the things that I wanted to talk about, RPG related. Right now, we're gonna talk about my module, rather, I am gonna talk about my module, And in following episodes, I may just talk about something that caught my eye, an RPG book that I just got or that is already in my collection that I decided to talk about. Or perhaps it's just a part of a system that I wanted to expand on or that I may want to work on in maybe a follow-up book. I don't know. Releasing books is a thing that I do now, so anything that is said in this podcast may end up snowballing into an actual project who knows and if you enjoy this if you enjoy my voice if you enjoy this discussion i'm gonna have with myself um, feel free to leave a review on itunes or whenever you get your podcast really and i'll be ever thankful for all the help that you're providing me with that out of the way let's go into the discussion Songs of Aedrogod is a campaign starter module set on the Creep Garden Forest and the Sword Mountains of the Forgotten Realms setting. As an adventure, it takes characters from levels 1 to 3, and the adventure's hook is that the characters have been hired by a dwarven entrepreneur from Waterdeep called Sigrid Blackburn. Sigrid having discovered through research of ancient tomes of her family's history that there is a castle that is very much her inheritance, her family's legacy, called Aedrogod. She has decided to hire a band of adventurers to go find the place and ensure that it's ready for habitation. So they're tasked not only with finding the castle, but also with dealing with whatever lies within. 
So, this adventure as of when I started writing it, Songs of Edogar was a much different adventure than it is in the final product. Some things from these original drafts remain throughout, others were discarded from the side and basically changed or repurposed for future modules maybe. And one of the, the, the very basics of the original version of Songs of Edrogard was that I wanted to set it on my own setting, which is the, the Azure Basin that I had been using for my home campaign. And there is a region in the Azure Basin called Enagard, and this region had been occupied by the Imperial Army for over 30 years. Edrogard originally was one of the last castles to be conquered during the war that later led to the occupation. And this castle, it, the, the person that wanted you to find the castle originally was not Secret, secret Blackburn. Um, it was just a rebel faction that wants to stand up against the Empire and reclaim their land. And the characters were supposed to be part of the rebellion. And they had should have connections to the rebellion, placing them into the setting a lot more strongly than it, 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 their place in just a regular D&D kind of adventure, because in most D&D adventures, the characters tend to be outsiders. Um, they have a tendency to be just random people that just got hired to do a, a job, which is very much what the adventure hook ended up being. Although I do try to give suggestions as to within the actual fiction of how you can actually integrate the characters into the narrative. In this original concept, the castle and the forest were already present. The Crypt Garden Forest, as it was originally, was called the Weeping Woods. And the, the wolves that act as the, the invisible wall that keeps pushing the players onwards, they were also very present initially. Um, but the structure of the narrative was not as it is in the final product. I later on moved to writing a narrative that is very reminiscent of the another module that is actually one of my favorite modules of all time and inspiration to me, which is Dark Deeds in Last Hope by Robert Schwab, who wrote the Shadow of the Demon Lord role-playing game. I love that game. And to me, Dark Deeds in Last Hope is one of the best modules to get any group started. And one of the reasons why I like it so much is because it's set like a choose-your-own-adventure book in which the Dungeon Master uses this, this book as a basis for each of the things that may be, may be happening in general. So, for example, um, in one of the very early scenes, the characters are outside of a church and somebody comes out. And that is how the adventure begins. And that's a scene, that is specifically a scene. And if you do this within the scene, move to scene whatever, scene two, three, five, four, five, and so on. By mirroring this within Adragard, I figured that I could make the book very easily accessible for new dungeon masters. And my very first thought when I started writing, is, writing this book was... I want you to be able to run this. If you only have this book and the basic rules, you should be able to run this. 
And yeah, of course, most of the modules that have already been released, I'm looking at three of them. Curse of Strat, the, the Prince of the Apocalypse, then there is uh, Storm King Thunder. All these should allow you to play them, so long as you at least have the basic rules. But uh, that is, again, one of my intentions. If you have just started playing D&D, and you're asking yourself, how do I do this? And you don't have access to, say, the D&D starter set, I wrote Songs of Adrogard for you. For somebody that has very little experience with D&D, and that just needs to buy the book, in whichever price point feels best for you, because I do have uh, a financial hardship discount on the the books page for people that don't have the money to pay full price for it. Don't feel bad. Just that that discount is there in case you still want to buy the book. You still have some money left over, which is like three bucks, two ninety five or something. And so long as you have this book, you can go to scene one. And from scene one, go to the development and see, okay, the players did this, I should go to this scene. And why scenes? Because I feel most books in D&D tend to lose themselves on the text. There's an attention to detail that is lost sometimes when you have huge walls of text and you have to read it all in order to get the, the, the idea of what's happening. And... This usually happened a lot more often in older modules. Now, nowadays, the D&D 5th edition modules don't suffer from this issue as much because I do feel there's some restrained plays on the editing side of, of things. Like, they t- I, I imagine they edit a lot down from what they are originally given. But still, I wanted people to understand, like, okay, you have this scene, which is about this situation. And these are the possible ways that the players could tackle them. Of course, these are just suggestions. If your players do something that is fully out of your expectations and mine as the book writer, feel free to follow through with them. Um, I try to like consider the various things players tend to do. And in my playtesting, I try to consider what my players will do in writing the module. Because I, as I write, I can give you an idea of what will happen, but ultimately I cannot control your group. So I expect you to do a little bit of legwork and find out how each of these things may connect to each other. Now, um, there, the book initially the, in the Creep Garden Forest section has six scenes. And these scenes can divert. These are not a linear fact kind of thing. If you want to play through all of them, you can. If your dungeon master wants to use them all, they can. But ultimately, the scenes are placed in a very specific order to reinforce both the themes of the adventure and the choices of the players. How does it do this? Um, the theme of Adragard is that kindness can overcome tragedy. And most of the NPCs that you encounter throughout the narrative are people that have suffered some kind of tragedy in their past. And although they could fix it themselves, they could themselves go and make it better, you encounter them at their lowest. And when you're at your lowest, usually you're not in the position to instantly stand up and fix things. But the characters 
the player characters are put in the position of being the people that show up when they are most needed. How do you react? What are your choices? Are you somebody that wants to be kind, that wants to give people a chance? Or are you the kind of person that will just go with their preconceived notions of what this should be and just act on them, irregardless of what is being shown? So, for example, in the very first scene, the... Uh, I need to open the PDF. I wrote this adventure and even I sometimes forget these things. In the very first scene, Shadows in the Fog, you have three possible outcomes to a problem. The characters are surrounded by wolves. And this is the very first scene. This is how the adventure begins. You are being surrounded by wolves and there's at least two wolves per player character. And the players are level one, unless you decided to start them at a higher level. So, what does this mean? First, that the characters are clearly outmatched. They cannot win this fight. And that's by design. If the characters want to fight the wolves, the wolves will kind of retreat into the woods and try to guide them somewhere. Almost as if they're trying to lure them into an ambush. And that takes you to the path of battle. If you try to run away from the wolves and get away from them, that leads to a more pacifistic kind of challenge. If a single character tries to fight the wolves by themselves while the others escape, that character gets a very specific scene that is only used in that situation. So these are the four paths, the three paths that you can choose. The path of battle, the path of pacifism, and the path of solo heroism. And this is the thing. I want to reinforce that you as a group are supposed to work together. The path of soloing the wolves is not gonna end well for you. Because that takes you to scene 4, Razor Wings Ambush, in which you are besieged by a bunch of wolves. And this is the thing, you're still level 1. I, You could be the baddest of the baddest barbarians and just wanna fight these wolves, like I can kill them. Sure. Of course you can. Two wolves will appear. Per character. However, this is the thing. Two wolves appear per character in the party. So, I leave this to the interpretation of the dungeon masters who are running this. Is Does this mean just two wolves show up to fight this one character? Or do you throw them the entirety of the pack? Because if you have four player characters, that is eight wolves. And what I, you don't originally know is that these wolves are being... They, they are the pets of a wireling green dragon. And that green dragon is around somewhere. And they are looking at this because they like this. This is their fun. They like to, st to, to stalk and hunt the people that walk into the woods. Because this, this is their territory. This is their land. And these wolves are just a tool that they use to make the game, air quotes, more fun. That character, if they decide to run away, let them run away. Let them retreat and go back to their friends. If they decide to fight, that is their choice. Because this is another thing that the book has. The book presents a new kind of rule, um, which is called the conversation. 
and it's one of the first things that I introduce you to. The rules for conversation actually show up in page 11, and the golden rule of the conversation is that the opposition never shoots first. And, yes, Star Wars quotes. Um, but the opposition will never shoot first, which means that even if the wolves begin to surround you, you should always have the choice of not fighting. And not fighting is not always I am going to parlay with the wolves, because, let's be real, you cannot talk to them. And even if you were to talk to them, these wolves are befriended by a green dragon, a very young one, like a waterling, challenge rating 2, but they're the pets of that dragon. You're not gonna make friends with these wolves, they wanna eat you. And if they don't, the dragon will. So, since the opposition never shoots first, even if you, the player that went solo, decided I wanna turn back and not fight them, that should be your choice. You should be allowed to do that by the rules that I have presented within the module. So, what are the other options? Let's say that the entire party wants to be like, you know what, they're wolves. Combat encounter, I see you there, combat encounter. Let's go destroy them. Experience! And you decide, all of you, all four of you, to go fight the wolves. In that case, you are taken to scene three, which is a scene that specifically gives you the combat you wanted, but not with the wolves. The wolves are not there to fight you and die. The wolves are cunning predators. They're gonna wait for you to be weak. They're gonna take your, their chances only if they know they can win. In this way, I don't think wolves are usually portrayed very well in fantasy, specifically in games like D&D, because it will be like, oh, you're surrounded by wolves, they're gonna fight you until they die. That's not how wolves behave. Um, but nonetheless, you're taken to the abandoned village. And within this village, there is an encounter, a very difficult encounter. But if you succeed, you are given some magical items. One among them is a sword. And you will think, oh, I got a magic sword for killing things. Yes. However, this magic sword has a specific limitation placed on it. Let me read it for you. The sword is called Arvaral. It is a long sword and is rare. This sword has a particular quality. If Arvaral is used to attack a creature that has not previously attacked its wielder or has surrendered, the blade will not strike. After the attack roll is made, the number rolled on die is replaced by a 1. So, what does that tell you? That if you're the, the fighty fighter, or the Barbie Barbarian, that got this sword, there is a reinforcement in its mechanics to tell you, you cannot use this to fight somebody that has not already decided to fight you. If they attacked you, you can use the sword, but otherwise the sword will not let you hit them. So again, it's reinforcing the, the point of the adventure. Even this, this weapon that you got for fighting 
is there to reinforce the idea that you shouldn't usually go for fighting as the first solution to all of your problems. The other scenes are used mostly to show, show the NPCs, the, the dramatis personae that will begin to appear throughout the adventure. There is Forney, the gentle ogre. There is Torlene, Cinderhelm, which is one of the most tragic characters I have written so far for any of my projects, both released and non-released. And Torlene is a hunter. Huntress? Gonna go for a hunter. She's a hunter, and she's from Westbridge, which is the village closest to the Crip Garden Forest. Her mother is deadly ill and has always been weak of weak of health and her father disappeared when she was very young so now she has to take care of the family business her mom is not what she used to be now she's even weaker because she's older so she had her her flock because she's a shepherd uh, attacked by wolves so her first reaction was like fuck me okay the wolves are being a menace they have eaten like five of my sheep if this keeps on i will probably not have any sheep left i have to go kill these wolves or else my livelihood is gonna be in danger there is 2b65 which is one of the last npcs that i developed for for this module 2b65 is inspired by robo from chrono trigger and it is very obvious to anybody that has played chrono trigger that this is a reference to that game because 2B65 is, uh, he's basically a robot. They are basically a robot, rather. And their entire thing is that they are a creature of time. They were abandoned here centuries ago. And now they're just waking up to find the world they knew to be changed entirely. Um, they are, are as old as the fortress of Edrakar itself. So in that way, 2B65 is the greatest connection that the characters have to somebody from that time, even though they are an, an automaton and they themselves don't have like the same kind of feelings that organic life has. They don't understand the passage of time as organic life does, but it is a very quirky NPC. They're very helpful and they are there mostly to help the party defend themselves if they decide to get into a fight or just help them overall um, I gave the specific creature type that to be 65 is the Basilmer Sentinel some interesting abilities that in my own games I tend to to reskin to better, to better serve the tone that I'm going for for each specific group. For example, um, the Basilmer Sentinels have the innate spellcasting ability and they can create or destroy water, but only create um, three times per day. So where does the water come from? I, I usually depict them as having like a like kind of an ale or water dispenser on their chest that opens up so people can like would you like some something to drink? And they just offer that and start like passing this very aged dwarven ale around because they have it stored somewhere in their body. And they have purified food and drinks. So if you find something, let's say that the 
you have a ranger in your party and they have somebody uh, or find some food um, they could go to 65 and be like hey can you do something about it and 65 will probably cook it use purified food and drink to ensure that nobody gets sick and all that so it's a very quirky helpful npc and although it has a lot of combat combat capabilities it is mostly there to serve as a link between the characters and the actual history of Adragard. and the forest overall is just this it is to teach you how to flow from scene to scene how to introduce the npcs and the second part and the third part are actually mapped whereas the forest is not and the second and third part have locations i give you the brief description of the, each location and if there's a scene attached to that location i tell you in the map like okay scene whatever happens here so again very easy to use and very replayable in my mind because you will not always play all the scenes out like some of the players that i have had will skip some parts of the exploration like in scene in, cha in chapters two and three you can actually explore the entirety of these locations but most most players won't most players will just go and be like okay let's go to here and not explore the other part of the location so some things will be left undiscovered unless your players are the kind of people that in an open world kind of game like i don't know um assassin's creed or lane of zelda breath of the wild will like to just go everywhere and find every turn every rock find every nook and cranny if those are the kind of players that you have they will probably find all the things but i provide a lot more than i imagined you will use in a single run of Card. so with all of this being said who i have already said it who i think Card is for Card is for new people that have just begun to run D&D or players that just need something easy to start them off in their dungeon mastering career. This module is for you. And it's also for people that don't want to just be fighty fighty all the time in D&D. Like I understand fighting is very fun in D&D. Like most of the books are about fighting. But here are some things that you can do in the event that you don't just want to do fighting. And Adrogard reinforces the notion that fighting is not always the solution to your problems. In the matter of fact, you will gain a lot more by not fighting the entirety of the way of Adrogard and just avoiding combat in most situations. And another thing that I decided to add was that if you are the kind of person that bought this module and is like okay where do i go from here and i am taking way too long to release a sequel or maybe you just like one of the pre-written adventure the one of the modules that have been released by wizardly coast i've also provided you an appendix the very last appendix of this book dedicated entirely to just adapting the module because I feel that that's something that Dungeon Masters will always do. You will always buy these modules, buy these books, these role-playing books, and just skin them for ideas. That's usually what I do. And so I feel that I should encourage that on my, on my possible users. And I provided ideas of how to integrate a card into... You know what? Let's check. I have the, I have the PDF open here. I have published... 
Okay, publish modules. I provided ideas for how to integrate it into Lost Mines of Andelvers and Dragon of Ice, Fires, uh, Ice Spire Peak, which are the Fandalian duology, both from the D&D starter set and the D&D Essentials kit. I have provided ideas of how to integrate it into Princess of the Apocalypse, which was the second module released by Wizard the Coast. I believe it was Sasquatch Publishing, was it? I don't have the book with me right now. But aside from that, I also provided information for Curse of Strat and Waterdeep Dragon Heist. So why do I provide information for these modules specifically? Is because these are the modules that I own and the ones that I have read. And very much the ones that I have the most interested in. Lost Mines of Andelver and the Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, I think, are prime for using Edregard just as a side quest within their own narratives or as an alternative start to their own plots because Edregard itself is located very close to Fendalen and again, that's by design. I placed it specifically in the Sword Mountains of the Crypt Garden Forest so you could reach it from Fandalin. So you can place it there easily on the map and be like, okay, so you're going to... Let's play this module that I just bought. It, it is here in the map that I have from the books that I already own. In the case of Princess of the Apocalypse, it's very much the same. Uh, being completely honest, Princess of the Apocalypse was the very first book that came to mind as to where do I place this this castle where do I place this module because I think for its many flaws and Princess of the Apocalypse is not a book without flaws and it doesn't get as much much love from the fandom as the other modules I think Princess of the Apocalypse has a lot of very fun encounters information narrative that can be used by a very what is the word I'm looking for? This is the issue with not being a native speaker. Sometimes words do not come to me. But it can be used by a very active game master that just want to be like, okay, I'm going to use all these things and just try to get my head around it and do the legwork of how to get from place to place. Because the book is a hex scroll and hex scrolls are fun. Um... Originally, when I played it for the first time, the map states that each hex is 10 miles. When that's wrong, each hex is 4 miles. So we should have gotten to from place to place a lot faster. So, yeah, if you're actually using the fix, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because you can get from place to place very quickly. Um, Dragon Heist is perhaps one of the ones that, while I enjoy the idea of Edrogar being used in Dragon Heist, it also is like a completely different thing from what you're doing in Dragon Heist for the most part. Um, I can imagine, very much so, being contacted by Sigrid Blackburn if she's like a member of the Lord's Alliance or something, and being like, okay, I am a merchant, I, I am a member of the Lord's Alliance, I, I am part of that guild, and I recently discovered that I have this castle to my name, and I want to reclaim it. Um, I heard that you did a bunch of cool things for Bolo, and so here, come with me, I'm going to give you the information, and I'm going to give you this money if you do it, and this much money just for taking the job. And that's already a good proposition, but it implies taking the characters out of Waterdeep, for a while, it's a very large detour, like the characters are going to be gone from Trollskull very quickly. 
and for a while if they take on songs of Adrock Art. So if you want to add it as part of the module, the place to put it is definitely during the, the Troll Skull section, chapter 2, I think it is, and before Fireball happens. Because when Fireball happens, the book goes very quickly to, towards the plot. So there's not as much room for just this, these kind of side quests kind of things. The last one that I considered was Curse of Strahd. And to be honest, as an alternative start, a replacement for Dead House, Songs of Adragard has a conflicting tone with Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd is a very um, dark adventure. It is a module about dread and you facing these, this horrific land that has been corrupted for generations upon generations and always been threatened. Um, the people are, are oppressed by the devil Strahd and the beginning of Edrogard is very much the opposite of that. It is an adventure that rewards kindness that every, at every turn will try to push you towards being nice to people and not assuming the worst out of people even though they may look different, different than you. So when you finish the module Songs of Edrogard, I have it in the book. This is one of the ways that you can integrate it into Curse of Strat. As the characters try and leave the castle and return to civilization, they find themselves in Barovia. Like the fog, the, the acrid fog and mist surrounding the forest is somehow connected to Barovia. And now they are here in the Curse of Strat campaign, but the castle is also there. And the NPCs they recruited along the way that they helped are also there. So Edragard itself, the castle becomes a bastion of salvation almost like an example of better things for the people of Barovia and it can work as a hub for your players to return to in between their confrontations with Strahd because this is not a part of Strahd's domain so in a way they are kind of safe here so overall it doubles as an adventure start and provides the characters with this new location that they can use to their advantage in their constant fighting against Strahd, which is a losing battle, frankly. But nonetheless, here they are, they're safe, they can plan. So those are some of the info that's some of the information I provided in the book. And then I give you information about how to deconstruct the the adventure. Overall, Edrogard is a very simple adventure. There is a forest, and you find a castle, and then there's a dungeon underneath that castle. It is very simple. It is like that. So you can change details of the adventure to better fit your, your setting. So say, for example, that instead of placing Edrogard in a forest, one of the things that I think I mentioned in the book was, let's say that you're playing like Ghost of Saltmarsh, which is a very nautical adventure. And adventure or like a compilation of adventures, whatever. The point is that you're playing songs like Ghost of Saltmarsh and you want to change how the people get to the castle. Why don't make it an underwater castle? And the ghosts within are the song, are, are like 
the ghosts of the people that lived in the castle before it sank, kind of like an Atlantis kind of location. And now it's been inhabited by Tritons and Sirens and Mero and all these kinds of other things. And to get there, you have to actually use a submarine to descend into the depths. So the scenes that have like the encounters are actually the characters within the submarine or within like a sphere of of air that they are using to descend into the into the depths of the ocean um, are just people like coming to attack them to try to break the bubble or destroy their submarine or something the basically you need a terrain that is difficult to traverse and that the characters wouldn't want to go back once they have begun um, then you have the castle itself and the dungeon itself the apparitions, which is one of the new stat blocks that I added, they're basically um, a kind of a ghost, but very specifically a defensive kind of enemy. They are designed to not be able to attack, like they don't have any attack actions, and that's specifically by design. They only have reactions because the opposition doesn't attack. So why would I give these new monsters an attack action? They are designed from the ground up to be the cat to be just victims themselves. They are designed that if you decide to harm them, then they will react and then you'll get harmed. Specifically because you decided to be an asshole and attack the ghost. But you can replace the ghost that I have provided with other ghosts. And one of the things that the module does not tell you, but I kind of imply it by the way that it's written, is the story of the Cinder Helms. And the story of the Cinder Helms is an excellent example of how you could integrate character backstory into the module itself. So what do I mean by that? At the very beginning of the module, if you play your scenes right, and your choices lead you to her, you meet a dwarven hunter. She's totally in Cinderhelm, I talked about her a while back um, and in the castle's dungeon which is a hot was a hospice you encounter the ghost of her father Tordek Cinderhelm and Tordek does not remember who Torlin is because the last time they saw each other they were like that was 30 years ago so Torlin was barely a year old at that point and he went to Edrogar specifically to find a poultice for his wife, who was suffering from bad health. But he never made it back. He died in the castle. So now she is facing the specter of her long-lost father. And she has to come to terms with what has happened to, to him. And to terms with the fact that he does not remember her at all. Um he does remember that he wants a locket and that locket contains a picture of her so he has like a brief window of clarity in which he can recall that this is somebody important but he doesn't remember why and in the module if Torlin is Torlin will instantly want to try to help her father out and find a way for him to find peace. She understands that this is a ghost and that she has not seen her father in years so she's adding things together in her mind and it's like oh fuck he died here when he tried to get the medicine for mother so he's been here for a while I had to help him move on 
she and her father could easily be replaced by a player character. Like that conflict, like my somebody that mattered to me, be that a sibling, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a lover. This person could have come to Aetherguard for their own reasons. And you just find them here by sheer coincidence and discover their, their horrible fate and the reason why they never came back to you. And how do you react to that? How does your player will react to being faced with this confrontation? Because let's be real, most player characters don't have any family. So it could be like, okay, did you ever have like a father that just disappeared? Yeah, sure. I had a father that disappeared and I never seen him. I'm a... Everybody in my backstory is dead. You cannot use anyone against me. And then you introduce this. So that puts the player into a very interesting position. Because, again, what are you going to do? What is your reaction to finding this long for, like, no, I'm not going to say long forgotten, long lost um, loved one in this place? trapped are you just gonna leave them here does it do they not matter at all and what do you make of the fact that they do not recognize you so yeah i think that's a very interesting way in which you can integrate character backstory tie somebody that they have lost to the castle and add them as an apparition which can be a new scene or a reskinning of an existing scene overall I give you all the information I feel that you need to make this module entirely yours. And I think that this is one of the key aspects of why Aetherguard is a success for me. Because I achieved what I wanted. I wanted people to have freedom to modify this as much as they wanted without me keeping anything in the dark. And overall... I think Aetherguard sends a very good message to the people that play it. Be kind. Be kind and help people. Because you will sometimes show up in the time of greatest need for somebody. So try and do best. Try and do the best that you can. To be the best human that you can. Help them. Not because you're going to gain anything from it but because they need you. In reality, you don't actually need to help any of the apparitions at all. You can go the entire module just killing things, but at the end, you have missed out on a lot of things, and a lot of information, a lot of backstory, a lot of rewards that are not going to be given to you because the book only rewards you if you're kind. So be kind. The book will reward you for it. Sometimes we don't get rewarded for kindness in the real world because it is difficult sometimes to be kind and unfulfilling. But overall, if we're going to play a game in which dragons exist, in which ogres roam the land and magic permeates all spheres of existence, then maybe we can have a game in which kindness is rewarded and is encouraged. And perhaps someday 
we'll also have kindness be equally rewarded and appreciated in our own real world. Because as, as all things, these stories that we tell do influence us. They do change us. And we do feel like we are there. Like we're experiencing these things through the eyes of these strangers. So, let's do our best to be the best people that we can. And hope that it is enough. And with that extremely heavy note, I'm going to close the episode. Um, this has been The Cauldron. This RPG discussion podcast will be released whenever I have something to talk about. There is no schedule. Um, so for the time being, I have been Dolan. And thank you for joining me here in The Cauldron. Have a nice day.